and I'll be reading from the New Testament. Um, the passage is John chapter 19, verse 41, to chapter 20, verse 18. And that can be found on page 906 of the Church Bible. Um, the resurrection for me um, has changed my life uh, by giving me hope, despite the evil in this world, uh, which we learned on Friday. I mean, I love how Jesus has given us hope of eternal life um, on earth uh, after this earth. Um, so John chapter 19, verse 41. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran, outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. This is the word of the Lord. Let's speak to God. Thank you for reading God's word, and thank you for having me and the pleasure of joining you today. Did Jesus finish or did Jesus fail? Uh, on Friday, he showed us from that magnificent chapter in John 19 
uh, about Jesus in verse 28, knowing that all was now finished, you know, knowing that uh, he has completed the work of God. He has come to do the will of God. He has finally finished it. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. The Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Sin of the world has taken away. It is finished. Or did it? Uh, what if he failed? Uh, important question to answer this morning, isn't it, as we consider Easter? Because if Jesus failed, uh, Good Friday isn't good. I am still in my sin, and there is no saviour before the power of death in this world. But if it is truly finished, then a new day has dawned. The world of grave has been turned upside down forever. Now, interestingly, today's passage in John 19 and 20 uh, takes a place in a garden. Did you notice that in chapter 19, verse 41, twice the word garden is emphasized and repeated there. Uh, uh, then there is this emphasis throughout chapter 20 on the first day of the week, uh, both in chapter 20, verse 1, and also verse 19. Put together, you got the first day of the week and a garden. Now, does that bring anything to your mind? It's reminiscent of the creation account back in Genesis. Uh, it gets readers to ask, if you have been reading and following the Bible's story, uh, is this a new week? In a John's Gospel, interestingly also, began with a heavy allusion to Genesis. Uh, John chapter 1, verse 1, how does it begin? Uh, in the beginning. And you get to, towards the end of John, and it's almost like John is bringing back again. Remember what I said, that my gospel is all about in the beginning, a new beginning, a new week starting. Well, this is the beginning of a new week. Is this a new creation dawning in this garden? But if you were there in Jerusalem on the second Sunday of April in AD 33, Outwardly, you wouldn't have been able to tell any difference. It was business as usual. Things pretty much looked the same. The world was still dark, literally and metaphorically. So in darkness, Mary Magdalene made her way to the grave of Jesus, which was also a garden. Now, Mary was the last to leave Jesus' crucifixion and also the first to arrive at Jesus' tomb. You can just imagine what sort of devoted follower she was. Her life had been transformed by meeting this man, but now he was dead. Uh, imagine what must have gone through Mary's mind as she made her way to the grave. Uh, the immense sorrow and grief, uh, the irresistible feelings of regret, wishing that things were different. Have you ever felt that way um, when you went to a funeral of the, uh, your loved ones? If only, uh, if only I didn't leave him alone that day. Uh, if only I had told her how much I loved her more. Uh, if only I had stopped him from going to that late night fishing with his friends. If only I had driven her home. If only and if only, thousands of thoughts and regrets must have going through Mary's mind, wishing she could just reverse the time back to three days ago. 
I'm sure you can resonate. You know, some of you have stories and events in life that you wish you could rewind it back in your head all the time. And Mary probably did the same. You know, she would have thought, if only Jesus had never come to Jerusalem at this time of troublesome uh, political turmoil. If only the disciples picked a better place and met for Passover in another place. If only Peter fought back harder against the soldiers in that garden. Just like us, Mary and us, we all have an event or time we want to rewind. Uh, we, want to, we wish we could go back and erase. If you haven't yet, I'm sure you will one day. Because we all live in a world of grave. World under the shadow or darkness of death. All of us will face death of our loved ones sooner or later. And all of you will face your own death. Uh, all of us will feel the fear of our bodies corrupting and decaying. Uh, all of us uh, will experience the fear of separation from our loved ones, and the pains of regrets. And the reason why every single one of us experienced this is because something went horribly wrong in human history right at the beginning. And the consequence and curse of that action has been repeated in every single human story ever since. Uh, back in the garden, the first man and woman rebelled against God, and through them, death entered into the world. Uh, we only read Genesis 3 this morning, but if you read Genesis 1 to 3, we see that through that action, the garden of blessing turns into garden of curse, garden of fruitfulness, becomes a grave of death. And ever since then, every single human story has been one way or another a story of corruption, story of regret, and a story of death. Uh, Mary was facing a personal crisis this morning, but her story was much bigger than her. Little did she know uh, that uh, she may have thought that it was a coincidence she arrived at a garden, but the scripture reminds us that what Mary will find in this garden is nothing less than God reversing the whole story of the universe. God making all our, if only, a reality through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So with that in mind, uh, we'll look at today's passage under three heading. Uh, resurrection reverses the story of corruption. Resurrection reverses the story of separation and resurrection reverses our story of condemnation. Now, in this garden, God was reversing the story of corruption. And Mary goes to the garden, garden that is also a grave, and Mark's gospel tells us, the other gospel, the earlier gospel, um, tells us that Mary went early on Sunday morning to the tomb with lots of spices to anoint Jesus' body. You know, she's been to the graves before, like all of us. She knows what to expect and what to see at the graves. When you get to the graves, you see the body that was once full of warmth, once full of life, now turned body motionless, lifeless, turned radioactive, corrupting, decaying. The air now filled with odor and stench. So Mary goes early with spices to preserve 
her loved one's body from corruption as long as she possibly can. But when she arrives at the garden, she didn't see his body. And at first, Mary thinks this is a grave robbing. Imagine the shock and pain and terror. It was bad enough that the person that she loved the most, person she respected, person she left everything to follow and devote her life to, not only suffered a humiliating and gruesome death, but now someone has come and robbed his grave also. She runs back to Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved and says, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb. You know, she calls him still Lord. You know, she still goes to the garden or the grave. Uh, she still uh, is hanging on to the thread of hope. And we do not know where they have laid him. But Mary was wrong. Jesus' body wasn't in the grave because he had been raised from the dead. Now, the other uh, disciple who arrives with Peter at the tomb recognizes this in verse 8. He saw and he believed. Very simple, succinctly put. Although he didn't yet realize the significance of all that has happened, that the Old Testament is all about God's promise of raising his chosen one from corruption. And that promise was finding fulfillment in this garden as Jesus rose from the grave, having taken away the sins of the world on that cursed cross. The linen cloth that was wrapping the dead body is laid aside. God was reversing our story of corruption in this garden through the resurrection of Jesus. Now, after the two disciples returned to their home, Mary remains. And she goes into the tomb to take another look. She doesn't find this body. Instead, what she finds is angels. You know, uh, much like the angels back in the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3. However, the angels play a different function at this garden. Unlike the gar uh, angels in the Garden of Eden, these angels hold no sword. Remember that? You know, the two angels back in Genesis 3, they angels, but they scary angels. They're holding flaming swords because uh, once Adam and Eve rejected God and rebelled against his commandment, God drives them out from the garden into the world under the shadow of death and he puts cherubims at the entrance of the garden so that the man and woman can no longer approach God, no longer receive the tree of life, which is an imagery of God himself because in him is life. He is the light of the world. Now, ever since then, we have been separated from our maker and consequently we have been helpless before the power of death. Our bodies become corruptible. Grave overcomes every single one of us. To dust we return. But now, these angels at this garden hold no swords. Instead, they speak words of comfort. In verse 15, Woman, why are you weeping? What is the matter? Why are you crying? Now Mary sobs and cries again. We can resonate with her, right? When someone dear to us die, we cry. And rightly so. We cry a lot. Kneeling before the grave of our loved ones, standing beside their hospital bed, holding the photograph of the loved one who is no longer. Mary feels that her whole world has come to an end. And her world, indeed, 
part of her world, at the very least, has come to an end if Jesus hasn't risen from the dead. This is it. And not just for Mary, but for all of us, the end of our story, your story and my story, would be crying, sobbing, separation, overwhelming tears without any real comfort if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. Uh, but Mary, the crying Mary, who thought her whole world has come to an end, he is a voice in this grave. He is a word which will turn this grave of death into garden of life again. She hears the word of light, the word of life that will change her world and also our world forevermore. Women, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Verse 15. Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. In her grief and frantic running to and fro, you know, some of you enjoy running, right? And she's been running a lot. She's got to catch her breath and she, she, she doesn't know what's going on. Uh, she doesn't recognize Jesus. Perhaps she's still in darkness, not only, you know, literally, but in her mind and perception and grasping as well. Until, I love this moment, until Jesus calls by her name. Verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Uh, Jesus must have often called her by her name. Eh? Uh, John puts this scene musically in a beautiful symmetry. Uh, Mary's name here in Greek is Miriam. And, and um, when she replies Rabboni, in that, in that same sort of, um, um, same sort of um, uh, bit, uh, which means not simply teacher, but rab rabbi is teacher, but rabboni means my teacher. You got that personal relationship going on. This was the voice of the shepherd who knows his sheep. The good shepherd knows his sheep and calls them by his name. And also his sheep hears his voice and knows their maker. Now, I wonder whether this is a sort of a picture of what will happen on that last day when Jesus returns, uh, unless Jesus returns beforehand, um, my body will one day die. I, I will be buried deep into the ground. Um, I will return to dust. But when Jesus comes back, uh, uh, return with his angels, he will call me out of the grave, Hank, and my dead bones. Will, will rise back, it will put back together, the sinews will reconnect. Uh, my dead body will once again put on flesh and skin, put on that resurrection, incorruptible body, and will rise to answer him, my Lord. And the same is for you, same is for your loved ones that you missed this morning, and same is for every single one of us who trust in our Lord Jesus Christ and his resurrection. Now, back in that other, other garden, the first man and woman ran away from the voice of God. Remember that? Having rebelled against God, when they heard the sound of God walking in the garden, 
They hid themselves, we're told, in Genesis 3. They ran away. Uh, because they were aware of their sin and they were ashamed about it. They didn't want to see God. They didn't want to be exposed. That's what sin does. Sin alienates and separates us from God. And consequently, sin corrupts and kills us. Because when you're separated from uh, God, who is life, God, who is light, you can't live for that long. But God reverses the story of separation in this garden. Jesus calls her by name, she hears him, and she rushes to embrace him. You can imagine her joy, can't you? The person whom she thought was dead, the person whom she loved, the person whom she left everything to follow, is alive. My Lord. Yet there's more. When Mary sees Jesus and she thinks the best thing to do is to embrace him forever, Jesus says, no, actually there's something better. He says, don't just hold on to me forever because my work hasn't yet finished. I must ascend to my father and to your father. Now Jesus is not telling Mary that she can't touch him or that she is not worthy of embracing him. Uh, just only a little later in the same chapter when, he, uh, when Jesus uh, appears to Thomas, one of the disciples, he'll say, come and touch me. You know, come, 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 and, come and hug me. Come and embrace me and see that it's me. Uh, the point, uh, Jesus' point is not that embracing is bad, but that there is something better. The resurrection of Jesus, uh, where, where Mary was situated, is not the end, but a new beginning. It's the beginning of a new week. The risen Lord will ascend into the heavens to enter into God's presence on our behalf, to prepare the place for us, to sit at God's right hand. From there, he will intercede for his sheep forever until we put on resurrection body like his and go back to the garden with him, to the Father's side. The resurrection of Jesus takes us back to the Father. God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ is also my Father and your Father. The Father who delighted in Jesus Christ and raised him from the dead will also work the same power in every single one of us who trust in Jesus and will raise us back. And also we will end where Jesus is, at the Father's side. And I wonder whether there are some of you who are going through a dark time. And when we go through a dark time, the devil tempts us to always doubt and question the goodness of the fatherhood of our God, doesn't he? He's very good at that. Is God really my father? Uh, does he truly intend what is good for me? Can I trust him with my life? And what's more, can I really trust him uh, with my death? Uh, does a father really care uh, what I'm going through, what I'm feeling, the fear uh, that I'm wrestling, both consciously and unconsciously, the fear of corruption, fear of decaying, fear of weakness and insecurity as I get older and older and my body gets weaker and weaker, my loved ones leave me. And when you wonder about God's fatherhood, Jesus says, look, at the risen Lord. Look at the resurrection of Jesus and him seated at God's right hand in the heavenly places. God's fatherhood over us 
is as sure as the resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Jesus reverses our story of separation, and in its place, he brings us communion with God, eternal fellowship, and reconciliation. Now, finally, the resurrection of Jesus reverses the story of condemnation. Now, Jesus says to Mary in verse 17, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Just feel the enormity of shock of what Jesus says here if you've missed it. Jesus is calling those people, some of whom denied him, some of whom deserted him in his most great need of hour of need, and all of whom who disowned him, and he calls them my brothers. and announces forgiveness of sins with that beautiful word. I think that's John's equivalent of I forgive you. Go tell my brothers. Yeah, brothers. Brothers who rejected you. Brothers who betrayed you. Brothers who disowned you and deserted for their life. And these disciples were probably hiding just as Adam and Eve fled and hid themselves from God's presence back in the garden. They were probably ashamed of what they've done. Again, you know, we don't want to be too harsh with them. We can resonate uh, with that feelings of regret and shame we've all experienced. We have all denied Jesus. We have all disowned God one way or another at one time or another in our own life story and narrative. They were probably distraught with grief, filled with regrets, troubled by guilty conscience. Uh, replaying the past three days in their minds over and over again, wishing they could go back, wishing that things were different, yet not being able to do so. But what is impossible with God, God makes, uh, what is impossible with man, sorry, God makes it possible through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Through the resurrection of Jesus, God reverses our story of condemnation. The risen Lord calls them, and he calls you and I, my brothers, my sisters, my friends, and promises to take us where he is, into the Father's side, having conscience cleansed, our guilt removed, sins forgiven, and clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's wonderful, isn't it? That's, that's what awaits every single one of us, those who believe in Jesus. Nothing to do with our own work or merits, but everything to do with what he has done for us. Everything because he calls us my brother, my sister. Ever since Adam and Eve hid themselves from God, every one of us have been hiding behind those leaves. You know, those leaves, uh, whether that be you know, your performance and accomplishment, you know, that they, they come handy sometimes, uh, hiding your true self and insecurities, and it gives the veneer of success and strength and power until it's taken away, or whether it be um, leaves of morality, that, that gives a bit of a veneer that 
you're a godly person or you're a moral person until that's taken away. And perhaps that's how some of you are still living at the moment, hiding yourself from God, hoping and, and praying that those leaves will sort of present you incorruptible forever. But the good news for our guilty conscience, our corruptible body, is that Jesus has taken our damnation upon himself and defeated and loosened the gates of hell. He walks out of the grave Sunday morning on that first Easter and says, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father. And he is not ashamed of us. He's not ashamed of you, ashamed of me. He's not ashamed to call us his brothers. And he promises us that we will be where he is. We will be with him and share in that eternal life of grace, truth, peace, life at its fullness. Now, this is what the resurrection of Jesus accomplishes. It reverses our story of corruption, reverses our story of separation, reverses our story of condemnation. Now, is this your story through Jesus Christ? Now, if what we've read in Genesis 3 and John 20 is true, the Bible tells us that every single one of us here this morning is living at least one story. We're either living a story of regret living a story of corruption, separation, and condemnation. Or we are living a story of resurrection, story of glory, story of communion with God, story of vindication and victory over sin and death. All of us are living one story. Some of us are moving from grave to garden through sharing in the resurrection of Jesus. But there are some of us who are still only going to the grave, having driven away from the garden, going back to the grave, and all that is waiting for you is the judgment throne of God after that horrific experience of death and grave. Which way are you going? The grave or the garden? The Bible tells us that none of us can overcome the grave or reverse our sorry story of sin and death. If you continue the way you are going, the end of your story will only be crying, sobbing, corruption and death, alienation and separation, condemnation and eternal punishment before the judgment seat of God. But the good news... I want you to hear this good news, if you haven't heard it yet, is that Jesus has reversed our sorry story of sin and death. And he is calling you to himself today. He's calling you, Mary, I'm risen. Just as he called Mary, he's calling you. He says, I'm risen. I'm ascending to my Father. Whoever comes to me will also rise from the dead, will also ascend into the Father's side. Jesus calls you to turn to him this day, to see his resurrection, to see him seated at God's right hand,
and put your trust in him. I wonder whether you've ever hoped, ever had that experience, if only. Living under the curse of sin, feeling hopeless before the power of death. Well, Jesus has fulfilled our if only and brought new and eternal life for us. And that's what we declare this morning on Easter Sunday. And I pray that all of us will turn to him and this wonderful story of resurrection indeed become our story. How about we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for our risen Lord Jesus Christ. That because of his resurrection, because of his death and resurrection, in him what is sown in perishable is now raised imperishable. What is sown in weakness is raised in strength and glory. What is mortal will one day put on immortality. Death is swallowed up in victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. And Lord, we pray that every single one of us gathered here this morning will hear the voice of our Savior, the voice of our Maker, hear his voice, the word of life, the word of light, and find forgiveness, find reconciliation, find new and eternal life and unceasing hope in him. We pray this in the name of our Savior. Amen.